Welcome to this episode of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I'm Cindy Coaches. I enjoy talking with best-selling authors, writers, editors, publishers, and the creative souls about the process of developing our stories to completing our works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, pearls of wisdom, and the experiences that began our journey as an author from the moment we put pen to paper. Michael Overly, author, coach, and energy healer, has joined me in the Pen to Paper Press podcast virtual studio. When I read the title of his book, Let Your Dog Lead, I wanted to know more. Michael's book is currently in production and is anticipated to be available yet this fall. It is wonderful to have you here and talk about a few of my favorite topics, dogs, writing, and inspiring people to experience a healthier lifestyle. Oh my God, that was great. Thank you so much. I'm so <laughs> excited to be here. Those are some of my favorite topics as well. Good. We're. I got the feeling we're really going to have an interesting conversation. It's probably going to be a little <laughs> different. Maybe not a little, maybe a lot different than what I've had. <laughs> and so in your biography, uh, it says that you've been able to connect with the animals since you were a young child. When did you realize this was a gift that, you know, not everybody has or can do? I didn't realize it till much later in my life, um, after certain turns of events and life happenings and, um, uh, yeah, parents divorced, feeling suicidal. It wasn't until even after that where I was able to reconnect and understand that, oh my gosh, I've. I've, I've had this ability for as long as I can remember, but I wasn't able to access it. I forgot I even had it for all these years. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know I could do it. I, I, when I was a kid, I think I thought everybody could do it. Everybody had that same level of connection and, uh, I didn't know, even know it was a thing until I got older. I think that many of us who have those intuitive gifts or those connections to, those, you know, to the animals and, and so forth, to nature, don't realize it when we're young, because you're right, we think, well, everybody can do it. And it, I was probably 16 when I realized that I had a gift that not everybody else really, you know, could do. But that's a whole different story for a whole different podcast that, because this is about you. <laughs> uh, no, no, but that's, that's actually a great point, because I, I think... When we're still young, like really young, small, um, like five, let's say five or under, everybody has that innate ability that they are able to tap into easier. Now, where it goes from there obviously depends on how your life uh, unfolds. But I think as kids, we don't have all these other things placed on us and we're able to just more freely access these, these places in us. Well, and we don't have the fears of somebody judging us. And or feeling like odd man out because we don't realize that it's different from others. So, mm-hmm. so let let your dog lead. What inspired you? What was that initial spark that made you decide to write this book? Oh, so a little over four and a half years ago, my older brother died, and that just tore me open. Um, it it was a, a, a huge loss, but a huge gift at the same time, because I was 
finally able to literally start to see things differently. I grieved so hard that I was able to release not just my loss of him, but all these other things in my life that I, you know, suppressed, hidden, kept, kept stashed away. And all of a sudden I started seeing things differently and noticing things. And the response of my dog to my pain and that of other family members was, was something I had never witnessed before in my life and how he was able to just gently go and care for people. And I, I, it was just, it just blew me away. It blew me away. And that, that, that planted the seed and, and what was to come next. I started, um, I started reading voraciously, um, started training in different energy healing modalities. And then, um, I have an intuitive friend who said, Oh, by the way, you're going to write three books. And I said, yeah, you're nuts. <laughs> and, but that stayed there. And then uh, one day I, I was writing, 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 like journaling basically. And I realized, Oh my God, I already have my book. Wonderful. Yeah. That, and I'm, uh, send my condolences for the loss of your brother. And when we do have those very very close, deep, personal losses, it does shake us. It shakes us mm -hmm. to our core, unlike any other experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it was interesting. Instead of, for whatever reason, I didn't get stuck in the, oh, poor me, poor me. I was able to somehow go, oh, my God, look at all these things going on out here. So in that, it was this huge gift. And actually, in my... And there's a little chapter in my book, a short chapter called The Beauty of Grief. So how this painful thing actually turned into a gift. That's that's wonderful. And there are there are it's perception in the willingness mm -hmm. to look at life in a different way. Um since you're not familiar with me um, and, and don't really know any of my backstory, my oldest son passed away four years ago. And so I understand that deep, deep, deep grieving. And we, on the back side of it, one of the gifts that really has uh, become apparent to me is I feel deeper I love deeper. Mm -hmm. I laugh deeper. I appreciate deeper. I have a deeper sense of compassion and I have a deeper sense of non-judgmental because everybody has their own reasons why they do stuff. And, and I have a deeper sense of wanting to allow people their free will <clears throat> because everybody is allowed to make their own choices. And, and of course, nowadays, that seems to be a hot topic. <laughs> so we won't go there um, at the moment. Um, but I love that you mentioned how your dog responded to you and your family members. They are such unconditionally living, loving creatures that bring nothing more to us than, than love. And, and of course they bring us the ball back too, when we throw it, but <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, I, my, my little Willie James doesn't do catch. He does, but he doesn't when he's tired, he's tired and he's done. <laughs> or if there's food involved, then he'll leave the ball. But, <laughs> um, 
one thing uh, that I wanted to to ask was, how did your dog help you with the process of writing your book? I mean, you know, help bring that piece or whatever it was that you needed to actually just move it from the journal to, you know, to a blank, blank sheet of paper that turned into the book? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I think in about a, a thousand and twelve ways, he helped me open my awareness. Um, I started getting different little hits from him and and, and uh, information, and um, he would allow me. Uh, what's a good way to put this? He would allow me space to do what I needed to do, um, and he would kind of let me know, um, oftentimes, that I needed to maybe go do something else. So. Um, fascinating example it took me a while to get it was um he'd go stand at the back door at a sliding glass door and he would stand there I'm like, oh okay he wants to go outside so i'd open the door and he'd just stand there and then look at me I'm like well <laughs> door's open go ahead so it took anyway this happened a number of times and i finally realized oh i need to go do this so i need to go outside and then he would come join me and we'd play i'm like okay so when i get too serious he's telling me i need to go outside I love that because I just had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday who's a writer and she was mentioning that her dog has a tendency that when she's writing to beckon her attention and and she's like, you know, I want him just to go away so I can write. And <laughs> so maybe that's the cue the puppy's trying to give her is to play a little and not be so serious. Exactly. Exactly. So in that for me, um, cause I can get so hard on myself so quickly and become very serious when I know I need more play in my life. And so that helped me to loosen up around things and, um, be able to not be so fearful of, of actually the writing process. I'm not a writer. I didn't finish college. So that type of endeavor just scared the hell out of me. It doesn't say a writer is a writer is a writer. It doesn't matter your education. It's it's the passion that flows from within that has a need to be expressed. So I'm I'm glad the inner writer in you said, Yeah, move over, Michael. We're <laughs> hand me that pen. We're gonna write a little. <laughs> Yeah, I had to figure out who was driving my bus. <laughs> I like that. I'm better than uh, who's backing the bus up. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was it was interesting, and and obviously my, the whole fo focus on the dogs was um, the relating my life back to how throughout my life during all these other events, what the dogs um, gave to me or helped show me or remind me that I was okay. I like that. And yeah, they remind you that we're okay. We got this because it's, it's a give and take relationship. Um, because that's a normal, you know, or not give and take, but give and receive, give and receive. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to say. Cause dogs don't really, well, they do take, they take our, our shoes. They do take, <laughs> <laughs> Socks on occasion, other unmentionables, <laughs> and mm -hmm. hide things. <laughs> but 
Anyways, um, so what is one of the messages that you really would like people to take away from your book? That you are okay, no matter who you think you are at this time, that you're safe and you're loved, um, that your dog is just basically reflecting how awesome you are inside. And I think we forget that. We, we, we love the attention that our dogs give us. We get this unconditional love and, and attention and presence. And I think they're really trying to show us that we can actually give that to ourselves. So it's a, it's a four-legged, you know, furry love primer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, they definitely have a way of provoking those thoughts when we listen, when we tune in, tap in, and and listen to that. So one of the things that we've brought up a couple of different times is the fact that you're an energy healer as well. And for some reason, I'm kind of getting that intuitive nudge to, to kind of go there. And how has your learning or it's not, you don't really learn energy healing. It's there. We allow it to, to come <clears throat> forth. Um, yeah. so for you in regards to your writing, how has your, your awareness, I'll put it that way. How is your awareness to your energy healing helped you with putting the words to the page and to express yourself so that the audience, you know, picks up on it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> Good I, I made it up. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. No, I, I uh, yeah, after, again, after the death of my brother and, and awakening time with my dog, I started to uh, feel and notice different things. Um, I, I went and started training in um, healing touch for animals, which was fantastic. Um, you know, dogs, horses, and learning about energy fields and, and feeling into it and, and noticing, right? It's always there. It's always there, but we don't allow ourselves to, to feel it and notice it. Um, so that was fantastic. Then I went and started training in Reiki. Um, and my second Reiki master is also an animal communicator. No accident there, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> so she helped me in, in a multitude of different ways and was able to in, maybe feel and access a little more. Um, and then one day I was... I was doing a distance healing session with her and I just, I just blew the doors wide open. I wasn't doing healing touch for animals. I wasn't doing Reiki. I just kind of fell into this flow of my own thing. And it was uh, intermingling, uh, excuse me, intermingling with Qigong um, doing this flowing movement. And it just knocked my socks off and blew her away. She called me right away. She goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> um, this was fantastic. And what further opened that for me was, um, something previous to that, and let me go backwards a little bit. I was doing a session with her at her place, you know, training, and she had complained about her right knee bothering her. And um, so she's laying on the on you know, this massage table, and I was doing my thing, and I was I wasn't I was like ah, I know what I'm doing, and <laughs> I wasn't putting attention to her knee. Well, Darby, the damn dog, jumps up on the massage table and lays across that knee. Really? And started started giving her energy healing, wow. and I was like, told, "Like, I'm like, damn it, showing up by my dog again." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, it, it just so many experiences and I continue to notice and feel and awaken. Um, and something you mentioned about after the passing of your son was allowing yourself to feel basically. And you want to, you want to get more. I, the, I'm, I'm empathic and I, I pick up on other people's um, stuff and um, I've had to work hard to learn how to not necessarily take that on as my own, but to be aware and allow to allow that to come in. And, and I still get, you know, all kerfuddled depending on some situations, but um, it's, it's in the noticing and allowing myself to feel and, the, and these things are just expanding for me. Not to do the gender role because that's not what I'm trying to express. In many ways, it's easier for women, females, to express emotions. I raised two boys. Um, you know, we never taught them that, you know, don't cry, you know, buck up, be a man. We never did any of that. But even, even though we never did that, there was still that hesitation to share their feelings and stuff. And so, you know, that taught me as, as a mother of teenage boys, you know, at that time that that is a, the way the males are, um, they're the hunter gatherers, you know, the protectors, they're the strong ones as such. And with having gone through your losses and you bringing up, you know, allowing yourself to feel, you know, is that something that you bring up in the book that it is because you're, I went to your website, your website, you're coaching men. Um, that is your target audience. Um, based on what I I'm picking up is your target is men. You're not, you're, you're looking for the female audience to read your book as well, because we all want everybody to read our books, right. <laughs> but, your, but your main target seems to be men. Am I wrong on this or am I right? No, no. And yeah, and the book is for everybody. It's, it's written towards a guy, you know, from a guy's perspective, a guy slant, um, for more guys to kind of go, Oh shit. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I hadn't thought about that. So um, but I'd love for the women to read it too, because maybe there's someone that they know that might um, it might resonate with them as well. Well, the other the other flip side is it gives us that opportunity to appreciate the male's perspective, because we are different. We think different. We respond mm -hmm. different. We you know our mannerisms are 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 different. But um, so is this going to help? Is one of your intentions to help men to feel a little less restricted in, in what they express and so that they feel more open to say, you know what, I just want to sit down and cry. And because I, you know, I had uh, one of my dearest friends is a man and his son died in a car accident and he you know, after a period of time, he found that it was very uncomfortable for him to even shed a tear in front of anybody that he would mm -hmm. have to hide. And I'm like, what are you doing that for? Cry. If you got to cry, cry. And he's like, well, I don't want to look weak. And I'm like, your son died. Of course, cry, you know, and, and giving him that permission. Um, not that I gave him that permission. <laughs> Boy, that sounds really egotistical, but, um, but yeah, 
having somebody say it's okay, is that one of the intentions of your book is to say, guys, it's okay to feel. <laughs> exactly. Then that's a huge actual focus on the book. Um, there's a chapter called The Power of Vulnerability that addresses this directly. Um, I've got one, another one, a short one called The Beauty of Grief. So it's a, an, an attempt to deprogram the ways that we've been told that we, you know, we need to be strong. We can't show weakness. We can't show fear. We can't show emotion. We need to, you know, meet tough hunter gather, you know? Um, and well, we get that from our peer groups. We unwittingly get it from both parents. Um, mm -hmm. Even though maybe our moms don't, don't feel necessarily feel that way. We still get those messages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, coaches, teachers, you know, teacher, preacher, you know, all, all these people, this is just a message. And maybe they don't know that it's okay to be a little, to be different and to allow yourself to feel. Um, so yeah, my hope is that uh, these guys can maybe get one little chink in the armor and then maybe that can lead to something else and then to something else. And they can realize the depth of experience that comes with actually being able to feel creates such a rewarding life instead of this, you know, this, you know, this is me, that's it. <clears throat> yeah. Being hard headed, stubborn. <laughs> I shall know. I shall fear no, no emotion or vulnerability. <laughs> mm -hmm. But well, I'm glad that you're, um, you have, I just lost the wording on it. I'm glad that you're, um, feeling, uh, I don't want to say safe because that's really the wrong word. It's empowering to feel open enough to share this because there is those that criticize and those that critique and those that, what do they call them? The armchair, armchair judges or armchair. Armchair generals. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And to put ourselves out there, and it doesn't matter what, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, you know, Cynthia, there are some things you just said that are, you're going to get, you know, <laughs> hammered on if the wrong person hears this. And, and it's like, no, this is a conversation. And when you're putting out your, your book, you're putting out information for those to entertain, to educate, to give permission, to give insight, to share personal wisdom on something that a lot of people don't really want to talk about, but yet they want to talk about. It's it's like that, you know, that hidden conversation. So I like that you're bringing it forward and saying, "Hey, let's let's talk about this. Let's put this out in the open." Yeah. Yeah, no. That's incredible. And, and it, that message is actually coming out more and more. And I'm, uh, I'm friends and in contact with, with men who are also doing their own version of, of helping other guys open up. And it's fantastic. Um, can, can I go back to the word safe real quick? Yes. Yes. So, so part of, of all of this is to understand that you can maybe this one time be a little more expressive. And then after, afterwards you realize, Hey, I was, I'm okay. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm safe. Nothing really happened. I didn't get judged. I didn't get fired. I didn't, you know, I shared one little thing and nobody is looking down on me. Nothing, nothing horrible happened. And, and then from that experience to maybe 
the next time share maybe a little more and know that, you know, and not everybody's going to get you, you know, how many was seven billion, whatever million people on the planet. Not everyone's going to get you. And that's okay. They're not supposed to. We forget that everybody else is, is working on their own inner, whatever. Yeah. Every, like you mentioned early on, everybody's got their stuff, right? So why am I so worried about what everybody else is thinking about me? They're probably worrying about their own stuff right. instead of judging, you know, oh, I can't believe Mike shared that. What a wuss. You know, no, no one's saying that. I would like to think that more people are going, oh, wow, that was brave. That's cool. I want to do that. Why can't yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh, he's still alive. Lightning didn't strike. Okay, we're good. <laughs> exactly. I didn't just evaporate into the ethers and, and disappear for no one to ever find again. <laughs> exactly. It's having the courage to be me. Yeah. Well, who else would you be? You know, we're we're programmed to be these. Well, and some of it's self-programming, right? Because we're afraid. But everybody wants to fit in. Well, fitting in is okay. You can have a group of people that you get along with. But do you really want to be exactly like your friend? Like exactly? You have no idea what's going on in her head. I don't want that. I got my own stuff to deal with. <laughs> so it's really interesting. Yeah. I really am. Uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation because it is definitely making me think about different uh, different conversations that I've had. So thank you <laughs> for being oh, that thought provoker. <laughs> so uh, let's kind of go back to the to our favorite four legged friends, our dogs. Um, yay! Yay! <laughs> So what are some ways that they do enhance our lives in, in, in many ways? Um, I know they do, but I want to hear your perspective. Absolutely. Well, our, I think the most commonly uh, aware theory is that they give us unconditional love, mm -hmm. right? That no matter what my dog loves me. Um, I have a, a friend, her, her name's Michelle, she was going through a tough patch in her life and she did this thing um one day and she just she just needed that love so badly right um her life was kind of falling apart and she was having a, just a terrible time um and she's one of those where when she opens the front door her dog just goes woo just goes ballistic when she gets home <laughs> so she went she got home and she went to the door she opened the door and got the ballistic yay from the dog and then closed the door and opened the door and got the ballistic, yay, from the dog. And she did this over and over again. And it just helped her remember that she's loved and that everything else just kind of melted away just for a bit. But it was enough to help her calm down and just go, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Somebody's here. So, so it's, yeah, we, and we, God, we love that, right? We, we love getting that from our dogs. I think we have trouble giving that to ourselves and knowing that that dog is always there is extremely helpful for us in feeling loved and safe. Um, oh my gosh, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I have a way of distracting and sending so, um, people in many different paths. So <laughs> yeah, so the, the animals what 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 they what they give to us in in many other ways would be um, that I think they're constantly trying to make us more aware. 
of what's going on around. Um, they're constantly trying to help us see new things. Um, think of like, maybe you're taking your dog for a walk and you, maybe you, you go the same way every time you go around the block, you always go to the right. And half the time your, your dog, they want to, they want to go over here and sniff something. You're like, no, we always go this way. It's like, well, maybe there's that one time, let your dog take you to the left. And you might see something be like, oh, God, I never even knew that was there. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I drive by here a thousand times a year and I never even realized it. Um, so they're, they're constantly trying to show us things. And then we, we get caught in, in these kind of macro views of, of the world. And they're trying to show us maybe something that's closer to home. Um, an example is sometimes, you know, like my dog was so scent oriented, Darby. And he would just get stuck. And I'd make a joke like, what are you doing, writing a novel down there? Um, <laughs> he would just, you know, he'd be staying in one place. And so one day I'm like, oh, is he trying to show me something? And so I'd, I'd go over and, and lean down. And, what is he so, in, you know, so incensed about over here? And I'm, he'd be like, oh, look at the butterfly. Or I'd see, oh, I didn't even know those things were growing over here. And I start to notice other things that they're always there, but we're unaware of because we just fly right by. Yeah. Um, another thing for me is, as our dogs, as teachers of presence, just being able to be, to be here right now in this moment, um, you know, they can, I love when they go out and, and maybe roll on the grass and kicking their legs up and they're, and they're having a ball or, you know, the sunshine and, and nothing else in the world exists in that moment. Yeah. Right. Um, or when they're, when they're playing fetch or when they've got a stick or even just sitting in the sun sitting in the sun, eyes closed, head up, and just enjoying that. You know, not worried about, are they going to get fed at four o'clock? Not worrying about making the mortgage, paying bills, um, disappointing the neighbor. None of that exists. No. So that, I think there's just extremely powerful lessons there if, if we're open to it. Agreed. Agreed. I do often look at, uh, Willie James is a, a dachshund chihuahua mix. He's a chihuahua. And <laughs> I and he's cute as a bug. Um, he's sleeping underneath. He's a he likes to burrow, and it's a little chilly here in the camper, so he's burrowed underneath a blank bunch of blankets. All right, go get him. <laughs> but you know, he our dogs do remind us to be in the moment. Hey, how do you want to feel in this moment? Oh, look at me. I'm happy. You know, I'm content, you know, whatever, whatever. And you can, it's easy to tell the mood of a dog because they wear the heart out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know? you can tell quite easily what mood they're in. Um, and I caught something and if you don't want to go there, I'm good with that. But you mentioned, oh, and <laughs> where I'm parked, um, they have uh, they have sh several Shelties. And mm -hmm. so we're going to hear them now because they're outside barking. <laughs> I don't know Tell if you can hi. hear them. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's something that I caught that you had said and again if it's off limits then we don't have to go there but you mentioned your dog was and yeah. so does that mean he's not with us any longer Mm-hmm. yeah um a little buddy died oh good gravy about about three months ago um he got sick real quick 
and turned out he'd probably been sick for a while, but I, I hadn't noticed anything. Um, I was with my partner and, and Darby at the lake, uh, lake we go to frequently. And she, he's, he was just acting a little different. And I was sitting on, on a bench near the edge of the lake and he looked up at me and, and I just got, oh shit. Um, and he, he said, you need to take me to the hospital. So, um, after we left, um, I took him to the vet hospital and yeah, you know, my worst fears were confirmed. He had cancer. He had, um, I mean, he had a number of things going on and his body was shutting down fast. And, um, I, I got a hit of something the weekend before when we went for a hike, cause he was like, you know, Mr. Super athlete. Well, we got to, um, this other high Alpine Lake where we usually hang out, get, you know, have a snack, whatever. And he crashed out. He was out cold. Wow. And I remember looking at him like, well, cause he would normally explore. I mean, during the winter, we'd go out, we'd walk all over the ice and, um, cruise around and have, you know, have little exploration parties, but he would, <laughs> he would rarely sit still, right? He'd, he'd sit still long enough for you to give him a snack or a treat, but then he's off, he's running around exploring. And this time he was out cold. I was like, oh, and I got this like kind of, I don't know, a little tick in my heart, and a knot in my chest. And I didn't think much of it later. And then obviously a week after that, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. We got a problem. Anyway, yeah, so he he moved on. That that little dog was, he was the the major catalyst for this this transformation I've really had in my life. So what breed? He was a little pity mix. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he was cute (laughs) as hell, about 47 pounds, uh, blonde in color. Um, Yeah, just... Just a little freak of love. <laughs> <laughs> freak of love. I love it. <laughs> and so with him having Pitt in him, then he's definitely got high energy and, and likes to go, 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 go. And mm-hmm. and always nose to the ground and sniffing and what's here, what's there. So well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that, um, that he departed so abruptly as such. So then that poses the question to me is uh, how far were you close to the end of writing your book when he, when he died or? Well, I, I was closer than I thought. Okay. So, um, his, his leaving at that time was also a gift. You know, again, I, I grieved him heavily well, and, course. you know, I still miss him terribly. Of course. So it, it was able to crack me open even a little more and release more things from my life that I've been holding on to. Um, he also gave me the gift of more time. So I didn't have to worry about um, getting him out two or three times a day, doing this, doing that, going here, going there, and allow me to really buckle down on getting the book done as well as still working on getting this business going. So, and I, I had just, um, entered this other relationship on this wonderful woman in my life, um, about what, eight, nine months prior. So he was giving me more space to do that as well. It was fantastic. So anyway, back to the book, I was, I was a lot closer than I thought because I had, I had already basically written it but I didn't realize that I had already written it. So it was, there's something that said, Oh, Oh my God. And I, I look over and I've got these three giant leather journals. I'm like, 
oh my God, my book's already written. I just have to put it together. So, yeah. It's funny how their presence helps us. Um, I had a, a black lab. She was the outdoor mama. We had <clears throat> at the... Uh, she she kept the kids safe because we lived in a heavily wooded area and you know when let's see my oldest son would have probably been about eight years old and they were down to the neighbor's house and it was they came back home later and they're like mom you should have seen it nikki had this big cat up a tree and she wouldn't leave the tree and i'm like Describe the kitty. <laughs> How big is this kitty? She had a bobcat up, up a tree. And then, you know, then they come back and uh, different things, you know. She scared off a porcupine. You know, those things with the big quills. And and so I always knew my 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 sons and, and the neighborhood children were always safe from the animal or the, you know, the wildlife because she was, quote unquote, the outdoor mama. And... Um, once the boys had moved on, she was 16, she moved on. It was like she mm -hmm. was, she was done having to be mom outside. She did her role. And it's really funny when you, when you look at how, when they enter our lives and when they depart our lives. And that was, that came to me when, uh, before I asked, you know, where were you with your book? You know when your when your dog passed is chapter new chapter. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean it, it couldn't have been any other way, right? Well, we can't see that at the time. No. But then we can look back and go, oh my gosh, I, I didn't obviously I didn't want him to leave. Well, no. <laughs> but his leaving afforded me some other opportunities that I may not have been able to recognize. There's a timing for everything. And, mm -hmm. and I guess maybe I appreciated that before. But when you've had the, the close personal uh, relationships shift due to, to uh, their death um, or to a death, we really understand how when we look back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, it's that forward that is out of focus. <laughs> it's that forward mm -hmm. movement. Um in and that I think is just to keep us right here, right now, in in this moment, versus trying to, you know, look for you know, look for what's out there as such. Um and now where was I going with this? Anyways, when when we have those deep traumatic events that happen to our lives, we look back and we can, oh, this is why this happens. And it kind of helps connect the dots as to why things have happened and mm -hmm. what are the lessons that we can learn from them because everything is a learning experience. We just have to be open to looking and saying, or not looking, mm, wrong word, Ooh, wrong word, acknowledging. We have to be open to acknowledging 
what transpired and how did this help me and how can this shift and transform and move me in a direction that's more kind to self more loving to self because we always have to kind of bring back to us it's not about giving to others because we're the easiest thing for us to do is to give to others what's the hardest thing to do is to give to ourselves and so to be able to bring that awareness back to ourselves and say wow that was i needed that and i have no idea where that just came from but wow <laughs> no, no i love it that was awesome and <clears throat> excuse me i would agree um yeah accepting accepting that what is was here for a reason that that thing happened. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make us less. And I think it actually makes us more if we're, if we're willing to go there. Willing. Being willing. Mm -hmm. Being willing. Mm -hmm. we, I think we spend so much time not wanting to experience pain and discomfort um, that we, we fight against it when all we're doing is making it more painful. Exactly. <laughs> we're... we're we're, we're making a much bigger story as it were right out of, out of something that was maybe just an anecdote. So um, yeah. How, how do we learn from that? I, and, and being willing to allow, um, willing to allow some discomfort to just be present in life. It's going to be there anyway. It's going to show up. Things are going to happen. You're going to get upset, yeah. but if you can allow yourself to be in it and, and then afterwards you realize, Hey, Oh my gosh, I'm, at, I'm, I'm okay. I, I survived. Okay. Yeah, I didn't like it, but I'm okay. Let Your Dog Lead. I love the book title. Absolutely love the book title. I'm a dog lover. Um, and Well, animal lover, but um, dogs tend to have a, a, you know, a little more special spot in my heart. <laughs> um, what is, what is a takeaway that really just says, here, this is what I want you to see. That your dog is trying to lead you back to you. I love that. Yeah, you've been here the whole time. You just couldn't remember who you were. Bingo. Love it. Absolutely. So how can people find you on the internet? Um, I am on LinkedIn under just my regular name, Michael Overly. I have a website, www.dogsandmen.com. I can be emailed from there, or you can email me directly at michael at dogsandmen.com. Um, Instagram is coming. I'm not much of a social media guy, so I'm working on that. Um, <laughs> I am on Facebook, again, just under my, my uh, personal name, and I do have a Dogs and Men um, site on Facebook as well, but I haven't done anything with it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working out of, um, trying to get around my discomfort of social media and putting myself out there a little more. Social media can be an interesting rabbit hole. I'll word it that way. Yeah. It's I think it's, it can be absolutely wonderful, but I think, um, a lot of people love the, instant gratification and the distraction that they get from it. Um, yeah. I see it for myself more so as a tool um, to help others that are, that are maybe don't even know they're looking for me. 
There so. you go. And I do I I like the name of your your website. It's it's easy to remember. Um it has a strong message and yet it's rememberable in the regard of this is what I'm doing. And and anybody who is looking for uh for some coaching you know, I I do like how you have everything presented on your website. So, thank you. <laughs> you are yeah, welcome. it's simple. It's simple. I don't have a lot of. It's not verbose. It's like, okay, here it is. Do you think this would help? This is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> either either click here or move along. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's okay too. Exactly, because everybody has so, free will. So. Exactly, well, and even if you don't want to work with me, maybe it'll prompt you to think about something else and maybe find help in another place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a reason for everything. And maybe, you know, two days from now, I'll come up, you know, I'll be speaking with a man and they'll be saying something. I'm like, hey, I know this guy. I just came across his <laughs> website. Or, well, actually, what I'd be saying is I just interviewed <laughs> I'm like, or overly, and you need to really check out his stuff. <laughs> so, and that is our best advertising is that word of mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a trust issue, right? It is. And, that, and that's another thing about the online space is that we're just inundated with information. Well, how do you trust that what someone's telling you is for you? Exactly. So, and especially yeah. when it comes to being, you know, an energy healer and, and a coach, that trust factor is very important. And mm -hmm. that's not something that you should willy nilly just, you know, okay, I'm going to trust you. You need to, you know, pull it in. Is this, does this feel good to me? Does this not feel appropriate for me? and and use our own discernment so but yeah absolutely and if it scares the hell out of you then there's something there for you <laughs> you know whether that would be working with with me or or, or whoever right. but if, if there's if something instantly makes you kind of flinch pay attention to that exactly exactly yeah. our intuition it is a grand gift and very much underutilized. <laughs> I'm learning that continuously day after day, how unutilized our intuition and how our feelings, our gut instincts, mm -hmm. we really don't use it enough. So you are correct. Anyways, Michael, I have truly enjoyed this conversation. Of course, again, it's about dogs, so. <laughs> right? What could be better? <laughs> what could be better? Well, maybe chocolate. Maybe next time we should talk about chocolate. <laughs> okay. Well, and that's good because I don't share your chocolate with your dog, right? Everybody knows that. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> that just means more for me. That's okay. Yes. I. You know, it. it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's. It's really hard when they're sitting there looking at you with, with the, the eyes of, please, 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 please. And you're like, nope, this is for me. There is something not gratifying in saying that. <laughs> because we know it harms our puppies. So, mm -hmm. Anyways, well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time, Michael. 
I appreciate you. This was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Before we end our time together, we'd like to say thank you for listening to my conversation with Michael Overley. To access his website and purchase the book he has written, visit pentapaperpress.com backslash podcast and select the show notes page for this episode. To receive future episodes in your inbox, subscribe to the Pen to Paper Press newsletter and subscribe on your favorite podcast application. You are invited to share your favorite episodes on social media and with individuals who will resonate with this content. Take care, and until next time, keep your pen to paper and write. Your words have power. Your story matters. Bye for now.